You're listening to Raising Anchor, a Rhode Island FC podcast. We're glad you're here. Hello and welcome to Raising Anchor, your podcast and source for all things Rhode Island FC. I'm your host, Matt Entrican, and this is my co-host, Jason Carey. Jason, how you doing? Doing good, buddy. How's it going? It's been, uh, it's been a fantastic week. I, I do have some shocking and somewhat sad news, though, to, to tell you. Uh, something I missed? No, you, you, you probably just didn't realize at the time how important it was to me and how I now get to say on this podcast in front of our total of you know six listeners that I'm better than you I'm officially a euro snob I have a I have a euro team now that I support in addition to Rhode Island FC and you just need to be okay with that you finally found your calling abroad well I mean I went abroad and as a result I am now better than you because I've watched European soccer live in person I see how it is <laughs> you go set off a volcano in Iceland and now you know listen listen things had to get done you know some people they go to Iceland and they were like I want to see waterfalls or or fjords no not fjords sorry fosses they're called fosses there love themselves some fosses some people go to see volcanoes me I was like hey what does the top flight football look like in Iceland and how can I go get me some action in these games while I'm there Girlfriend, you know she's my soulmate when she's like, yeah, we can, we can squeeze in, you know, 90 minutes for watching some, <laughs> some exciting Icelandic soccer. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I'm now a fan of, I'm going to say it in English because I cannot, I'm not even going to do the injustice. Did you, did you not start the Icelandic Duolingo? <laughs> <laughs> not, not in time, not in time. Uh, but uh, Reykjavik FC is my new club. Um, like all good things, they're like the most winning aside in uh, in Icelandic football history, I actually tried to go to a match for Viking FC because you know that's a must. Timetables didn't work out between the fosses and the volcanoes, so I had to settle. But I'm happy I did because if I had gone to the Viking game, would have been a loss. Instead, got to see my boys win it. Had to buy a scarf. I'm going <laughs> to add that to the collection now. It looks their colors are like Beetlejuice colors, so it's. It's a perfect dichotomy of like the many different scarves I have. But the most important thing here is, is I now have a potential Champions League team that I've seen in person, which again makes me better than you will ever be. <laughs> and, you know, one day I'll make it across the pond or whatever they say. When, <laughs> when we get that opportunity, I think like we just need to dedicate a week or two and just see everything from like, Division five, all the way to like a oh, Europa just, game. Just check live score. Like who's playing today? <laughs> <laughs> go get like twenty pound tickets, and just uh, and just go in and have a blast. But I, I will say so to anyone who travels abroad. If you're not supporting local soccer, you're a jerk, and you need to be better than that. So harsh words. <laughs> just convince your significant others. Convince your friends. Go see a local local soccer game. And live your best life because it is now going to be a staple of any place I go, even if it's just like a you know a high school field, and you know some some maybe like people are just kind of sitting there and they didn't even realize they were attending a game. I I want to be a part of that action wherever I go. 
But uh, but other than flexing that I went on a cool vacation, uh, what's new with you, man? Uh, I, <laughs> I feel like it's been a long, long work week. You know, one of those kind of weeks where just the time passes by, and you're like, "Where am I? What's going on here? <laughs> Is it time to record a podcast? What's <laughs> going on here?" Yeah. No, I, so, but I mean, at the same time, I'd rather stumble into a, a random Thursday like this, and you know forget that I had to do a podcast with you tonight than to be only Tuesday and go, when am I doing that podcast this week? So I'll definitely take this version of it versus the other way around. Yeah. So, uh, so today for our listeners, uh, we thought we would continue the journey of explaining our story so far with Rhode Island FC. Um, in the previous episodes, we kind of just talked about the general history of soccer. Uh, we moved into USL talk and the convenient timing of, you know, the pro rel, conversation that's now starting to take shape in the in the heart of the league and we thought we would kind of actually get back to the main character of our of our saga here which is Rhode Island FC which we really haven't talked a lot about yet I mean we've we've mentioned snippets but like I feel like there's always been something so much more fun to tangent on that a a little yeah we got we got lost on episode was it (laughs) (laughs) 2.14 we made a u-turn did a couple circles and a roundabout, and, and, and here we back are. So, yeah, so today we're going to focus on really educating listeners on what we know. I mean, we're not, we should never call ourselves educators, by the way. We have no <laughs> right. I've, I've already been sampling the, the podcast to uh, some of our supporters groups, and they've been correcting me left and right. So we have, Damn. we can't ever call ourselves educators in our LinkedIn profiles, but. Best we can hope for is entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my mom would appreciate if I put professional entertainer. I, I get some really weird calls from her the next day. Um, but having said that, uh, so yeah, so we thought we'd kind of start things back with with the major players, how we've understood the story, and how it's taken shape um, with the development of Rhode Island FC, um, and and you know fill in the gaps as we understand it, and as we hope to get closer to the club, and as people that have more knowledge will start roasting us in the comments. Um, can kind of you know paint that complete picture because for some people it's like oh yeah I found out when X happened or I knew all along but like when you start trying to track down the details prior to say 2021 like you just see you see these little tidbits of articles and information in like the 2019 the 2020 you know obviously COVID probably did a lot of derailment there um, and then like it was like boom suddenly here's here's soccer it's coming to Pawtucket and just brace yourselves so. We want to try to kind of go back, narrate those important people. Obviously, we can't cover everything in what we hope to be an under an hour podcast. That's that's also another goal we've heard <laughs> loud and clear from our listeners. Some of you love it because you have a commute that takes you both ways, and some of you're like, you can just end this forty five minutes sooner. So we'll, we'll try to we'll try to tighten that up as well. Um, and then you know just kind of break down some of the other things that are probably old news for the diehards that have been following this since day one. But again. You know, we want to be all inclusive and educate anyone and everyone that wants to come along for the journey. So uh, this may be kind of a bit of a recap episode uh, for those that are, are, you know, much more in the weeds. But before we start, so like one of the filler episodes and in, in an anime, yeah, 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 yeah. just I can just skip this one. <laughs> Doesn't that usually come like mid-season, not like episode three? No, you know, you got to get the backstory on every single person a first. Really important backstory we got to get in here. <laughs> You know, like how did how did Mr. Parkhurst come into his like Whoa, great ball playing? Don't, ability? don't lead the come on now. Don't 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 do that. 
You're better than that. Um, before we get Spoiler. into those, <laughs> before we get into those uh, those people, um, I think one thing that we wanted to make sure we start introducing, even though again timeliness is it's going to be a couple weeks between then and now, but just so you guys can start to understand how we intend to provide uh, information beyond Rhode Island FC is let's let's quickly talk the table in USL. How are my temporary club of uh, El Paso Locomotive? train gang doing this this week are, are we, am i still better than you and your uh your winning bid of rgv Ch- train gang are uh what are we like third here in the west i'll take it 32 points 19 games played who's above me who's who who needs to who does this train need to run san over san antone and Sacktown. oh my well the the bears oh, they gotta go down there's, there's not a lot of points dividing the top up there so Okay, and that's the West. Who's uh, who's rocking in the East? Over in the East, we got Pittsburgh Riverhounds, 38 points. Tampa Bay and Charleston following not too far behind them. By the way, correction on an episode, because again, we've been getting feedback. I, I obviously don't know maps very well, because I said that Indy was closer to us than like the next closest after Crapford. And um, I was educated with a map. And equidistant traveling, that it's actually the Riverhounds are our next closest uh, threat from from pr- approximation, right? Like from distance. So, it's just people don't know about your past. You you try and forget your trip to Pennsylvania. So, <laughs> it's understandable. <laughs> well, t- uh, the, the Patreon subscribers will one day hear this, the the horror stories of, of Philadelphia and the seventy six cheesesteak sandwiches we ate collectively in the course of you know, 24 hours. But again, that's a, that's a story for another time. Um, okay, so we've got those teams. So I'm sorry, you said who's who's leading the East? Pittsburgh? Yep. And how are they at, like, if this was a true format table? If, yeah, if it was a combined table, they'd be at the top, okay. 38 points. Okay. Um, plug to Defiance uh, 1636, the supporters group there. They have an interesting challenge in one of their uh, Discord channels where you can kind of make bets on who will be the winning team in a, you know, in a matchup for the week. Um, and it's just kind of going to see like how far can you press your luck. So for any of you that want to get in on that, uh, highly encourage it. Um, but okay. So we've got the, we've got the tables. My team is, Oh wait, what your team was what Rio Grande Valley. Where, where's, where's RGV at? Well, you know, 11th place with 20, you know, 24 points. They get two wins. Like teams of 30, they could get to like 11, fourth wait, place. 11th place. Isn't that, like second to last in the West. <laughs> Did you pick that team before looking at the table? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said they had a cool stadium. I was like, all right, they do. Let's, let's go with that. They do. But we also we also said we would go if they won. So they really need to get their act together this year if we want to see a match. Uh, Maybe it's just not in the cards. It'll be they'll be in the playoffs, but based on that tournament system, they won't get a single game in their awesome stadium. They'll end up playing in like a baseball park for New Mexico United. Yeah. <sighs> Sometimes what are you, you going to do? That's the way it is. So, all right. So, let's get into this. So, the story as we know it so far is that this club was the machination and uh brainchild of Brett Johnson, who we've we've talked about a couple times now uh on the on the pod. And it came to him in a vision of what he identified as the potential opportunity to expand to another USL team. So at this moment in time, it's sometime between 2017 and 2019, um, he's riding high on his development of Phoenix Rising after he kind of sold his 
his other club into this opportunity to extend into a USL franchise. And, and he's hungry for more. I mean, if you again, if you look at the track record, he's wanted to expand soccer into other areas or he's wanted to be a part of other clubs like the Ipswich Town thing we talked about. And so uh, according to Brett, and this was in an old interview I dug up that I, I hadn't seen too much attention to um, prior to the actual more formal announcements of Rhode Island FC, is he was in Watch Hill, down south in the state. I don't know, probably having an ice cream or maybe, you know, like a martini, getting some oysters. I don't know. Maybe he's looking for Taylor Swift. Don't know. <laughs> and uh, it comes, it, it gets the attention of, of the fact that the Pawsox have announced that they'll be departing the state. And at that moment, there was like this like lightning rod uh, awakening in him. I, 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 it's the way he said it in his interview was kind of like, in the movie Back to the Future where Doc Brown falls on the toilet and it's like, oh, I've now invented time travel. <laughs> and, um, the flux capacitor of yeah, soccer. <laughs> this is the flux capacitor of soccer. In fact, I'm going to ask him for more details if I get the chance to interview him because I really am curious because like, it was such a like, glossed over moment. And um, so he realized that there was no kind of like outdoor sporting event with the Paw Sox leaving. Um, and he had already been doing research on where he could expand his own soccer um, kind of portfolio and had already identified that Rhode Island, whether this is true or not, I don't know, we'd have to ask Brett, but Rhode Island is actually the, one of the top 10 media markets for soccer consumption, and that goes beyond like just MLS. According to him, it's, it's all soccer products. It's, um, it's, you know, we have, I'm assuming, avid watchers of like the EPL and the other international kind of activities that go on and so when he did a cross-reference I guess on this media um, probably like Nelson's report for for consumption of soccer we were the only club that didn't have by the the geographical boundaries of a state a, a like a club dependent and exclusive to the state everywhere else whether it was like maybe not in the city proper but like the state and then again you know Rhode Island when it comes to statistics is either the best or it's the worst. Like small numbers can make you look good. During the pandemic, we went from having the most vaccinated people to the most deaths like overnight. Like it just it can flop that fast. So so that's that's where he that's where he just comes up with this idea like I'm gonna bring soccer to Rhode Island and I'm gonna do it in Pawtucket. And and so that's that's literally the entire story. Like sorry to like build this up as if this was the forty five minute lead. But that is really all we hit. Like we've really learned so far, um, without having access directly to the front office or to, to these individuals. So, at some point between this this kind of spark and where he goes next, we want to find out. Does that does that line up for you? Does that sound like it's a real thing, or does that sound like someone who had like a less Hollywood script line? Kind of like, well, I want to do this, and this was the this was the place the USL said I could go. Like, I, I could go either way, and I don't really care because I'm getting soccer in Rhode Island. But do you really think he was just like licking a ice cream cone in Watch Hill, staring out at the, the short line, and be like, "Aha, we need soccer in this place." I don't know. I mean, it sounds like you're saying he did he did some research, he looked at some markets, and just saw that this was a good opportunity. And with the Paw Sox moving, it's like. Phew. There's no other sporting team that's, like, in the state boundaries. So, like, let's do it. Well, I mean, there are other sporting teams. Let's not discredit the other ones. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> they never existed. Um, but, yeah. soccer teams. So, 
true. I mean, that's not not true. Um, so so that's that's the start. But now we have to bring in what I'm calling the X factor. And so we've we've talked about Brown, uh, founder Brett Johnson, but now we need to talk about the other founder, the le- the man, the legend himself, ultimate team legend Michael Parkerstein. <laughs> Do you remember what his rating was the last time you used him? No idea. But like, if you know you're when you're playing ultimate team, you gotta you gotta make an American team. Oh yeah, so you gotta have that just, American synergy. Yeah, hundred percent. I um. I don't know what his ultimate team rank Probably like rating 68 was. Rated oh, yeah, they, they, no, silver. 70, 72 silver. 72 silver. It, where it was gold, gold converted at gold 74? Gold was like 75. Okay. Yeah, 72 something? silver legends pack. <laughs> um, I don't know his rating, but I do know when he was in his second stint with MLS, he was one of my main defender pickups in fantasy. I, I haven't played fantasy in a year just because I lost time to do that. But um, he was one of like the most consistent defenders of his era, and and we're, we're going to talk about that here in a second. So, I uh, I almost want to now go back. We have copy. We can dust off old copies of FIFA, right? We can go back to the Wayback Machine and <laughs> and find out what what he rated. <laughs> listeners, yeah. listeners, let us know in the comments what was Michael <laughs> Parker's rated, and don't cheat ahead of time. Just give us your best guesses. Um, so yeah, so so Michael Parker's. I knew of him. He has an insane resume. And I just, like, I knew the name. I knew he was last attached to Atlanta. But when I did the research, like, the true research, this man, he didn't have a golden boot because he didn't exactly score a lot of goals. But, man, did he have yeah, a golden not, touch not, in not every right organization. Position. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was a little surprised, to be honest. I, you know, knew of him when he was playing for Dorshaland. Is that how you say that? Over, so I and then I think it's Norshaland. 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 Yeah. And then, like honestly, I kind of like lost track of him a little bit, and then it was just like, oh wow, he uh, he definitely he won some silverware over I'm, here. I'm so glad that your story is you were tracking him in the Danish Super League, so th- and I didn't even know that was a thing that existed, <laughs> and I was very aware of him <laughs> on his second return to MLS. So like, again, this is the perfect yin yang. You're following Apparently, European connections, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm just the, the what's the domestic Euro product, <laughs> and I'm the real one. <laughs> so so yeah, so let's let's go back because I it, we could say all of his accolades up front, but like let's 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 tell the whole story. So Michael Perkhurst, um, you know, he, he grew up, he's a, he's a Rhode Island native through and through, born in Providence, um, spent time in the youth academies around the state in like CLCF and Bayside United, um, and went, ended up, you know, playing college soccer for Wake Forest. And in, an, in another interview I read um, the transcript for, I think he was actually set up to play with Brown, but it just came down to money. It just came down to a scholarship issue. And you know, when you're when you're that age and you've got a full ride potential or a partial ride, you, you got to go where the money um, can take you. So, I mean, he could have ended up playing internally with Brown, and and just that didn't happen. So, he goes off, plays for Wake Forest, and comes back, and ends up uh, joining the MLS uh, in the Super Draft in 2005 with you know New England Revolution. There's the there's the hometown connection, um, and he's he's scooped up in that. Fun fact about Michael Parkhurst that he likes to talk about, he actually was watching the Revs in their inaugural game when the, when the, the, the uh, league took place in 1996. So, like, talking about completing the loop or, like, 
the prodigal son has returned, uh, watched his first game as a young boy, comes to play with them less than a decade later. That, that's just such a, that's such a rad story. But, but it doesn't end there. So right after he ends up joining the league in 2005, he becomes the rookie of the year. And like, I want to, I want to emphasize this, like, this was a time when the league didn't have a lot of stars. So he was shining above like that, not international, like set of transfers. Um, and I know rookie of the year typically means it's that internal domestic product that's brought up. We're not, we're not bringing, you know, rookies from like Syria and stuff like that. But, but so he, he just rocks the, the rookie of the year. And within the next three years, the dude plays in three MLS cups, or sorry, two MLS cups, um, before he gets defender of the year, he wins the open cup and then plays in another MLS cup. Unfortunately, lost all of the MLS cups because that's just what revs do in, in the finals. <laughs> um, but, but like just the pedigree within three years, and this isn't a guy that was on anyone's radar. He was picked up ninth in the MLS, super, the super draft, something that today they don't even, like they just go because I think there's like contractual obligations to show up, but they don't, they don't care about that. Like, and that's all before he goes to the Super League, like or the Danish uh, Super League. That that's insane, insane. Like, what were you doing when you were that age? Twenty? Were you were you playing professional soccer at twenty? Twenty one? No. <laughs> were you even playing professional FIFA, like the video game? Um, off the top of my head, math. No. Off the top of your head, math. <laughs> <laughs> Subject I'm actually supposed to be pretty good at. Like I, I just I I guess I say I say all this because in that era when I, I I didn't get into soccer until he was already like earning these these accolades, but it was all about like the Clint Dempsey's, you know, the Omar Gonzalez's. Like Michael Parkhurst was not on my radar, you know. Like it, it just he he wasn't there. And the guy went on to win gold cups. He participated in the Olympics. And then, like I said, he went to the, the Danish Superliga and he wins their version of, like, the, the Danish Cup, right? Like, not the head of, not, they didn't win the league, but they won the Danish Cup for the first trophy that that club has ever won. He, he, he shows up and, hey, guys, you going to win something? I can help us win something. I, I'm really good at that, apparently. They win the cup the next year. They're like, hey, let's, what if we just did that again? Wouldn't that be cool? Boom, they win the cup again. And they were like, hey, what if we were actually good enough and won the whole league? And then the next year, they win the whole league. And the crazy thing is, like, we talk about, like, Christian Pulisic all the time today. Michael Parkhurst played Champions League soccer against Chelsea, Juventus, and um, I think, was it, Shakhtar? Shakhtar Donetsk. Yeah. They didn't win, I mean, because there is a certain drop-off, right? (laughs) But, like, how many U.S. players have played Champions League? So I, that was n- I never I mean, knew about that. I, I mean, it's it's more now, but yeah, back then, back, back then, come definitely. On, come on, I'm talking back then. How dare yeah. don't don't bring up the post Klinsman era of like everyone has to be dual citizen and like they couldn't cut it in their actual home origin country. Like, don't do that to me. You're better than that. <laughs> but yeah, so he played played in Champions League. I, I, again, I just the pedigree, and it doesn't even stop there. Then he goes on to a stint in the Bundesliga. Again, not a lot of players at that time were playing there. He that that one was probably the only like, and I don't call it a blemish if as a defender your team can't 
win games. Like it's definitely like you know even even if you're the best defender in the world, there's only so much you can. If do you're sometimes. not winning games, it ain't your fault. Like I will stand by that a hundred percent. So he doesn't do so hot there, and then he makes his return to MLS, and this is where I knew him. This is where this is where he shined in my eyes. Joins with the Columbus Crew in 2014. Immediately a captain, like leads in the locker room, leads on the pitch. They 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 do pretty good their first year. Obviously, um, the Revs choke in 2014. They again can't win a final. Um, and then the next year with Crew, they go to the MLS Cup in Columbus. Had a just ridiculous year, and uh, and lose to to Portland in the MLS Cup in 2015. If I remember right, that game was. Um, the one where a goal got converted because they thought it was an out of bounds play and like everyone stopped except Portland didn't and the whistle was never blown. So like the guy just ran past a bunch of people and it just put him into a scoring opportunity. Either they had to foul to get there or like the guy went on to score. It's been a while, but I, I, I think that's what happened in that final. So he doesn't, he doesn't win with Columbus. And then in the transition of Atlanta coming into the league, he ends up with Atlanta United and is a part of their MLS Cup uh, victory season in 2018, where he finally won his his you know first MLS Cup. And as soon as he wins that, he's like, you know what? I think I've done everything I need to do in my soccer career. And and he retires in the 2019 season. I I'm going to ask you. Obviously, there are players with longer tenures, more stats. But when you look at his entire career, do you think he's one of the most winningest individuals that MLS has ever had, and we're just not recognizing that? Um, possibly. It's not something I research too much, but I mean, looking at you know, he's got a pretty impressive trophy cabinet there, so he's probably he's probably up there. Do you think it's because we typically don't acknowledge defenders, and so that's why? I, I think he, like a lot he's of, not in the conversation with like Wondolowski, it's Donovan. Not, it's not the flash, the flashiest, you know, position. So it's necessary, you know. But you don't need defenders. We've we've talked about this. You just need <laughs> seventeen attacking players, and you're good. You play a two-two-four. <laughs> exactly. Push everyone up. Exactly. So so two, anyways. Four-one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and you just surround the goalie. <laughs> No, no, nothing else that's going to happen. The goalkeeper just says, hey, what are you guys doing here? Just don't mind us. It's fine. So, so, so that's him. And so somehow after soccer, you know, he, he settles down in Ohio, which is, I think, where he still is today. And he goes, you know what I need to do next? I need to, I need to run a USL club. I need to be a part of that legacy. And I need to bring it back to Rhode Island. And so this is why I think he's so connected to like, I don't think Brett alone could have made this happen, um, and we'll talk about him in a second. But I think it's you, you have to have the Rhode Island, not the New England. You have to have the Rhode Island Wonder Boy to be able to pull something like this off, and and I, th- I think he's the catalyst for that. So we've got Michael Parkhurst now on board. But how did it happen? We still need to find that out. Like I'd love to know the conversation between him and and Brett. But so now we have Brett Johnson, and and Brett Johnson has been discussed on this show. Uh, a couple times now, um, whether it's it's you know something that we continue to monitor or if it's something that we know will just work itself out. Um, you know, I'm in the camp of of you know thinking positively here. But so you've got Brett Johnson, and Brett Johnson uh, was a Brown University graduate. So again, he has his roots tied to Rhode Island, 
Um, and he has this epiphany about, you know, bringing, bringing soccer to Rhode Island. And I, we've mentioned in the past that he has this connection to Phoenix Rising and, and how he had kind of set up um, and executed the plan to, to transition Phoenix Rising into the premier club of Arizona because Arizona doesn't have any other like major soccer presence because of the consolidation of all of these. Um, and I know he was, he, I've now researched that he was also a part of the big push to secure an MLS expansion to Phoenix. And I'm thinking that they've probably changed directions. They're still probably going after that. But as a result, I think he's also just kind of looking elsewhere to see where he can make moves as, as that part gets decided. But I, I had a realization that we didn't talk about in the last episode. If he still has any kind of controlling interest in Phoenix Rising... Isn't that a conflict of interest for the league to be connected to Rhode Island FC? Um, potentially. I just don't know what, like, <clears throat> like what would... So he's co-chairman and shareholder of... I, I mean, I, dude, in my job, we have executives with those titles, and all I know is they sit around and scream at people, and then they play, you know, they play Angry Birds still or whatever... <laughs> Whatever stupid go, mobile go game. Go golfing with their, their business buddies. And then well, I don't, I don't see them do that because I actually do work at my job. Okay, so yeah, I'm yeah. not. I, I do work too. I don't know. Oh, I wasn't <laughs> accusing you. I was just accusing. Yeah, no, if, I'm if just. The, the, if the co chairman who knows me is listening to my podcast, you can't touch me off the clock, I think. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> you will find <laughs> But yeah, the, like those positions, I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, but, but still, there's got to be. You can't, you can't have. I, I, I may be the first whistleblower for this club. I may have to go to USL <laughs> directly and be like, "Hey, Brett has to be with us, and he's got to let it go." Uh, maybe that maybe that'll shore up or free up that seven million dollar gap we have in the in the fun, the financing, and uh, he can he can use that money when he sells his interest, share the re- sell the rest of his shares to Drogba or something. <laughs> exactly, or just sell Drogba to us and. Like we can use it. Oh, he can't play anymore, huh? He's like forty-two. He's a little too old. I bet you could still. I bet you could still kick a banger from like. Oh half, yeah, half. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. So okay, so that's something we need to ask. If we get a chance to talk to him, Brett, I want to know: Are you allowed to? And if so, when we get to like the finals and it's Phoenix Rising versus Rhode Island FC, are you allowed to even to sit in that stadium wherever it is? Like, do you wear like a half scarf like when they do those like international friendlies and like. Manchester United's playing, you know, Philadelphia Union, and it's like that half and half scarf. But, um, but so that was really interesting. Um, so, so, and again, we've, we've covered Brett a lot already on this pod, so like no surprises. Um, so he worked through his partnership um, with Fortna, uh, Fortuitous Partners, which is actually also the group that's really helping bring the Tidewater Landing Project um, into the state. Um, beyond the stadium itself, like the residential parts, the developments. I think there's still supposed to be like a hotel project that goes in the Apex Pyramid area. Um, so he's he's been working through that with his uh, financial investment projects. And then, you know, we have the we have the Ipswich piece too, which we've already kind of covered. So that's, that's Brett in a nutshell. The one thing I was really surprised about is uh, that he is in Los Angeles, which... Like, I know you can, you don't have to be in the state, but like founder number one, Parkhurst, I think is still in Ohio. Founder number two is in Los Angeles. So like, is this one of those, like, could this be an absent, like 
own I mean as a founder and owner we haven't really discussed that either like would we see uh, them for the big games or for like the social media events like I mean look look what's happening with uh Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds right like they thought that would be this kind of thing that we we just go a couple times a year film a documentary and now they're they're like they're hooked like it is it is a part of their like daily process like like they are screwing up in their regular daytime jobs to put more time and energy into into Wrexham. So, I don't know. Is that, a, is we'll that also a red flag? Like, see, should we be even talking about that? We'll just have to see how that plays out. I mean, season, you know, when the season starts next year, are they at the first game? Well, they'll be at the first game. Come on, man. They'll probably be at the first, like, three. But it's like once you have that, like, away game stretch and you forget to, like, show up to your club and, like, eh, it's been, oh, it's been six months. Where are we in the standings? Oh, I, I forgot there was a game today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll, we'll just have to see how that plays out. But but you're, you're playing the safe answer. Though. I, want a, I want a better reaction than that. Like, are you, do you think that there's any smoke in having two founders who are not going to be local? Like, is that like is that any maybe I'm just saying it to be sensational right now, but like is that an issue? Listeners, is that an issue? Do we do um, we need to be worried about that? Is that is that something that other clubs face and experience? May I mean part maybe, but part of it is just you know if we be, get real for a second, the harsh reality of business, just the way that things are, you know, that it, it's just it, it's just transactional, right? I don't, but see, okay, I don't want that to be transactional. Oh no, no, like, we, we don't. Job, We're fans. I we, know, but they should be too. Like I, I will, and I'm sure they are. Like again, we can't, we can't like assume things until we talk and we see the we see the result. But I am like, if you went to your job, knowing what you do, and your boss just said, "Okay, I'm going to move across the country, continue to do a great job," and you weren't a fan of your job, or your job wasn't going well, like who holds, who watches the Watchmen? You know what I mean? Like. I just, I don't know. Like, it's it's so weird. Maybe that's the micromanager in me that, like, I would never want to be that far away from, like, a crown jewel of my investment um, at that level. And, 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 and we'll get into the reason that maybe he feels, they both feel safe about that. But I, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a personal, it's a personal vibe. It's a vibe, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, I would love them to be, like, really invested in there like you know like we talked about with Wrexham those guys just always you know hanging out spending all their time thinking about it but we're still kind of in that that initial build up to the to the actual you know inaugural season so I'm willing to give it some time to see how it pans so, out so no red flags like when do your red flags start to bruise? that's actually a good thing we can talk about later is this like mid-season 2024 it's when we go whoa we are you're off the rails is it like when there's a there's an, a problem with the product or the development like where where do you think because because this is the same exercise fans do with their coach when like hey you've had a poor run of form like do we pull the ripcord after game three and be like hey you've lost three games in a row you've got to go or do we go hey give them three years and then let's make that decision and, and really like su- like size things out yeah, it'll it'll be important to see that as um, like see what their body language is. How how are they going to stare at Brett Johnson's body? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. How, like how it comes across is when they are questioned about like their interest, their perform, the performance of the team, the various aspects of the club. And you know, are they 
saying the right things? Are they doing the right things? Are they, you know, giving us that impression that they're really in, interested or it's just like, oh, yeah, that, that's pretty cool, the team I made. Look what I did. I've moved on to <laughs> Ipswich Town 3. They did the thing. They scored the goal. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll see. And, and that's, again, like, this is not a... We're not a fan of Brett Johnson. This is just more of a... Um, when you have that much responsibility, like you got to take it serious. That's all. I, I, I'm sure when I meet him in person and he, you know, says, Hey, we can't wait to be your guys' best friends. Everything's gonna be fine. But until then skeptic, uh, skeptic at heart. Um, but to finish off with Brett, uh, the, you know, the other kind of key things that I like to say, and, and you kind of touched on this, Jason, is, you know, he is an investor. Like first and foremost, he's a businessman. So, you know, this can't be his only project and it, it wasn't before and, and, and like Phoenix Rising that wasn't either so it, it does make sense that he has to be wherever it is that he's required to be um, and he is he's a he's a married father he's got um, he's got three kids um, and he you know he's just he's all in on this this piece so the thing that's the most exciting is I found an interview of his in I think 2020 and he was talking about how much he wishes we had pro rel. And nice. so he was saying this way ahead of like these most recent developments. So I have a feeling in case people were worried like, oh, like how would Rhode Island FC vote on this? Where we've already we've already voted bet it all on black, baby. We've already <laughs> betted it all on pro and rel. So uh, <laughs> if it happens, like we we can't sit there later. If if God forbid something bad ever happened, like, oh, how did we do this for ourselves? We chose this. We chose this life. So we've made this bed. We have to live in it. So I uh, I mean, and it's not gonna be a problem. It's worth the risk. Yeah. I mean. How delicious would it be if in the first season Pro Rail goes live, we get to put Crapford Athletic into put them down. second <laughs> tier, or I guess lower tier. Yeah, I don't, whatever, I don't know whatever they're going to call yeah, it. Like, and, but not in like a like, like high stakes game for us. Like we're like completely safe. We're clear. But they're clinging to like life support. And we just get to do that thing where like we put our foot on their face and just go, no, you can't come with us and just put them down. Like a 98th minute own goal from them. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, as the prophecy foretold. <laughs> and again, like another, another feather in the cap of the pro rail argument. Like if we ended sixth for some reason in the season, but we also got to destroy Connecticut. That's how you start real rivalry oh, right yeah. there. <laughs> Cause remember guys, hashtag never Connecticut. <laughs> so, so we talked about, how our founders, our absentee founding fathers, just kidding, just kidding. Um, but but they, they had a vision. And I think this is the part I'm the most excited to talk about because they chose a president to run this club who I think you couldn't have done a better job. And they picked up another Brett, uh, President Brett Louis. And uh, I had to make sure several times, uh, and I even asked some someone on Facebook that's related to him because... Every time there's like slander in the news about the club, his, they're already stalking his family. Well, no, it's <laughs> yeah, it did not come out right, Brett. I, I promise. Um, but like every time, like there's like local uh, outcry, some of his family because they're watching it. Yeah, they want to be they want to be proud of their family member. They'll like they'll just say like a fun fact about like actually the product and the project is on track. And if you knew anything about this, this like these are the interesting details. You should go do like they're never mean. They never flame anyone or anything like that. They just like, yeah, actually. But Brett, Brett doesn't. He's radio silent. But his family, defending him on the social medias as as needed. Actually, uh, learn to read. 
<laughs> so, so, so Brett Louie, fascinating, fascinating individual. Um, he, he played soccer um, uh, collegiately. I, I don't think, I couldn't find anything about like outside of like an amateur career. Um, maybe he, maybe he did and I, I just didn't see it because there's so much in his information about his like more professional career as a, as a businessman. Um, so he played, uh, he grew up in, uh, Illinois and, uh, went to, um, was it Wesleyan? I think it was Wesleyan, um, university played as a midfielder. So, uh, you know, grew up around the game. And the crazy thing though, is he, he's already been in the USL since 2015. The guy came up in the league, started as a director of like soccer event operations um, and like kind of like club administration. Um, and he started in 2015. And since then, and remember, the league's only been around since 2011. So he came in like four years after and he put his chips, he went all in on USL, uh, worked his way all the way up to executive vice president in 2021. And so this, this is the crazy thing to me when people say the stadium will fail. And I don't mean like that local, you know, person who hates paying taxes and thinks that like there's there's terrible people in, or there are terrible people in the world, but the, the conspiracy people, right? Like this man did not leave the second most powerful position in the USL to take on a project that would fail. And so for any of you guys that are like, oh, I don't know, this is going to be close, just every night repeat that to yourself. We have Brett Louie, and he wouldn't have come here to see this club fail because he's already given up that role. Like, they've already backfilled him, so he'd have to go somewhere else. I'm telling you, like, this is the thing that always makes me the most excited when I know that. And <laughs> I, I, he has a really interesting kind of fun fact about him, but I don't think when I say it, people will actually think it's a fun fact. So did you read in the notes? Did you do your did you do your pre-work on his fun fact? Um, I think I missed that. So whether you love this or hate this, but we have Brett Louie to th either thank or condemn for the introduction of video assistant refereeing in American soccer. He helped work on the initiatives to deploy VAR as we know it. Um, in the first ever match and helped make sure that it was instituted and brought in across uh, its its like landscape as that season deployed. So, because if people remember, like America's actually revolutionized soccer several times. Like we did the little spray can, like this is where you line up to stand. This is where you like can kick the ball from. And again, whether you <laughs> agree with VAR or not, and I'll tell you this season in MLS, VAR has gotten it wrong so much that like, Maybe this is going to be like on his grave, like Brett Louie, f you. This was bar. Like, why did you do this? Um, but but like he he helped. So like again, but that's 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 pioneering something. Like you took a technology that no other sport, no one else in the sport wanted to really adopt or even like look into. And he's like, guys, this is something I'm going to help bring into U.S. We're going to make this better because it's something that the league needs. So, again, I'm looking at that from, like, a pro-rel. He's absolutely probably another staunch supporter of pro-rel, right? Like, he probably influenced the league to start looking and investigating into this while he was still in charge of it. Um, so I just, I love this guy's vision. I love where he's going with it. He has so many different responsibilities that he's picked up across his tenure in USL from negotiations, like CBA discussions, um, 
he's been like on like the injury and like health and mental wellness boards for uh, not just the USL, but like US soccer federations groups as well. He's helped champion like the open cup committee. Um, I just, I, I cannot see something in this guy's resume that would be like, Oh, we, we should have, we could have done better. And anyone that thinks that like, it's just, it's not possible. I, well, this is probably the best pickup that we got. And I am just super excited to see that that is, that's the direction we're going. What are your initial thoughts on, on Brett? Second Brett, by the way, this is, this is the Brett bros. So <laughs> Brett, number, Brett two. number two. I mean, it looks like he's got a good CV there. So, you know, got some experience, you know, like you said, he, he's in a position where like, he's not going to let this fail. Right. I mean, you know, He's going to make it happen. What do you think the pressures are on for him, both internally and externally? Um, living up to, I mean, I don't know. What are you thinking? Well, I, 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 you can't reverse the question back <laughs> on me. This, did you just play an Uno reverse card on me? I've been saving him up. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. I wasn't even prepared for that. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if there's a lot of internal eyes on him to see if, like, because remember, and, and for the listeners, this club has a lot of different external factors that are being monitored as we are brought into the league. It's one of the most expensive um, projects that the USL has seen so far. And, and again, that's mostly tied to the development piece. Um, but there's a lot of eyes to understand if this is going to work. And I, and I don't mean happen. I mean work. Like, what will we be at the end of 2024? Will we be having made a deep playoff run, how will we have won everything, you know, like, or did we not get it right from the start? So I think, I think this is Brett's opportunity to potentially build, like, if you look at what he has there, like he's got league operations and then now he's got like actual like team play. Like I could see Brett Louie, if he, if this works out well, I could see him literally running a premier league infrastructure in, in five to 10 years if this works. And, and that's if he wants to go, right. He may be all in on the USL piece. I, I don't, I don't know that, but um, I, if, if your goals are bigger and everyone has goals to grow, like what will, will he be okay with a third place finish in the East conference in 2024? Will he be caught up in the inter politics of like the, the physical building of the stadium? Right. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's never had to do some of these things before. So it's a first step for him. So I just, I don't know how much internal pressure you put on it. And then when a person has that pedigree, I don't know if like our expectations can be rooted in a more like lower bar or if now we just like we said we would compete for hardware. That's what all of them have said, but they haven't said win. Like we would seriously compete. So like is if we don't win some like if we don't win Open Cup or if we don't win USL in the first year, like I, I don't know. It's it's that's why I asked you, Jason. I was looking for <laughs> I was looking for the deets from you, but I mean, it's it's hard to say with with things like this, like you know, executive vice president things like that. I don't. You have a vague understanding of what they do, but a lot of times, you know, he managers VAR. Are, what are you talking about? Like, you know exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, VAR can be a mystery at times, <laughs> so it's kind of like, I don't know. Is it gonna is it gonna be fun or is it gonna I'm going to be cursing for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> I mean, if it's fun soccer, you should still be cursing, right? Um, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll, it's, more, it's more layers that we're going to have to, you know, peel back as we, as we explore this, this club deeper. But 
I think a lot of the responsibility and the pressure and the expectations will be built up and framed around Brett, who, you know, whether that's the right thing or wrong thing, um, I think I think it'll boil down to if he's successful, the club will be successful. I mean, it says he's moving here, so at least oh, he, you yeah, know, he should already. At least he, one of our 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 fathers will be. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think as soon as he got the, the as soon as he got the job, he was looking for a home. I, and you know, so I'd be really curious. He moved here right at like the peak of um, the like housing crisis. And so I don't, I know he could probably afford anything he wants to live in, but it was the inventory. I'm wondering, where do you think Brett Louis ended up? Did he do the whole, I want to live as close to work as possible so I can just walk to work? Is he living in in a multifamily in in Pawtucket? Mm, I don't know. Or do you think he got himself some sweet east side Providence? Not east Providence, but the east side of Providence. You think he's got one of those ski chateaus or colonial mansions? Maybe somewhere in between. I mean, Illinois, maybe, you know, he kind of picked to his roots. Okay. Okay. So, not, like, no, so he's he, got a farm. Not nice, <laughs> a nice place, maybe with some land. He's, and some, he's got a farm in Little Compton, and he's just counting, counting his sheep at the end of the day, or his goats. Okay. Know, a bunch of land, maybe. Nice view. He ain't, he ain't close by if he's got a bunch of land, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, so, Brett, we're really excited that you're on board. We know that you'll lead us to greatness. So... That kind of leads us in the in the the ending sections of of today's setup is is talking about the man who I think had the most attention on him, um, and that is Coach Cono Smith, our head coach and general manager. And we're gonna do a deeper dive. And and it should also be said, if I didn't say at the beginning, that we want to we want to interviews with all of these individuals at some point and just kind of get more behind the scenes with them and and understand like their takes on things and their strategies and visions for the future. But so, so coach Cono, um, I have to, I have to start with this. He needs someone in the organization to go up and do a touch up on his like socials. Not, not, not the socials he's doing. I'm sorry. No, I shouldn't have said socials on like the information that's been written about him. Because when I did the, like the first thing you do is always the Wikipedia search. Someone did not like him. On Wikipedia, Wikipedia did him dirty. <laughs> like, oh, did they, they track his IP address and he did not donate, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, some, some, again, some Euro snob because there was mostly complaining about some of his stint in, um, in England on some of the the lower tier soccer over there. Just was like he was the most inconsistent attacking wing we've ever had, even though. He was voted the best player in the first three games of that season. He went on to be voted the 49th most hated player of all time. Like it, like <laughs> I guess that's my Wikipedia reading voice now. But but he like it just was like all over the place on him. And like usually, especially after your career's over and people like don't talk about you anymore. Like someone would have like, oh, he was super amazing and he had the like best haircut and he had like I mean I don't. I don't think he has the haircut thing down, but that was a bad way to start that. But like, you know, people go in and touch them, touch them, touch themselves up. For his lack of hair. <laughs> that was that was shade I should not have thrown. I I apologize. But um, so so yeah. So I, that was the first interesting thing because like you look at his, you look at the rest of what he contributed, and you know he doesn't have like Michael Parkhurst's um, um, trophy case, right? But 
Like the man still did. He's, he's been around. He did stuff. Yeah, played for some teams. Yeah. So so he was you know born uh, born and raised in um, Bermuda. He was part of the Bermudian the Bermudian national team. Um, he I, I don't remember the amount of international caps he had, but you know he had it was substantial. And and we kind of joked earlier about like those teams in the Caribbean who they don't get a lot of call ups because there's not a lot of desire to play clubs like that. It, so. It's tough for them to schedule like friendlies and whatnot. The the Nations League actually has kind of helped out with that. Right, right. But this is, again, this is 20 years ago, right? Yeah, this, this is a lot newer kind of a thing. Right. So um, so he, he, he played with them and then, you know, gets called up for the New England Revolution. So there's our first kind of connection, alumni connection, right? Which just shows the oldest adage in the history of the universe. It's not what you know, it's it's who you know. And I am not saying Coach Cano doesn't know things. I'm just saying, like, it's probably always a benefit to say, like, oh, yeah, I, I know Parkhurst. We, we, we did some things together. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Um, so he, he plays for New England, uh, bounced around kind of doing some additional things in a bunch of different leagues, uh, went, had a stint in England, came back. And then uh, after he came back to the Revs, um, but didn't play for a very long time, I think it was maybe just like, hey, let's see if you could, like, what, what you could contribute to this season. Um, and then, you know, started kind of exiting his career as MLS journeymen do. Um, and, and that's where he, you know, decided he would get his, his he cut his chops uh, as a coaching opportunity. And again, the really interesting thing in some of the uh, research I did was, he, so he started in Orlando City, and there's another connection we'll talk about in a second around some other um, personnel that's joined the team. So he starts in Orlando City uh, with with the Pride, so the women's group, um, and then he moves into Birmingham Legion FC. And did not know this, but Birmingham Legion is now the president is Jay Heaps, former New England Revolution coach. So and and I should I, I think I may have skipped a step there. Cano did have um, some. Uh, coaching uh, ties and teachings and trainings with the Revs in that kind of area and space. So he's he's working through these groups. He's now with USL. They're on a tear. Like Birmingham did some of their best, played some of their best soccer with him as the assistant coach. Um, and you know he goes and looks for an opportunity. And lo and behold, you know here's a club coming up in Rhode Island where he's very familiar. You know he he played some of his best soccer. Um, knows a lot of the people that are connected to the space, and uh, you know he's he's in a good form as an assistant coach. Like, the, like sometimes it's really interesting how like the stars align, and in this particular case, I feel like just this this is a look to the stars. Like this is just an opportunity um, for it all to kind of come together. And so yeah, so then we end up with our head coach and general manager um, in Cono Smith. And I I tried to go back and tie some of the Birmingham Legion like style. And then I've listened to some of what Kano has said so far about, um, like what he's looking to do, and and I think it's it, like if he can emulate it, he will. But if if that doesn't happen, like he he's flexible and agile enough that he'll he'll find what he needs or what he can work with, um, based on what the club picks up. So, um, where I wanted to ask you, and I feel like I've done way too much talking this episode, is he was a left attacking winger. Didn't have a totally huge goal production, but he looked like he was really good with his speed and his ability to pull like defenders away and like provide not always like key assists, but like second second pass assists in in kind of the run up of of goals scored. 
we've we've talked about this a couple times, and I know we'll talk about it more when we give the we give coach his like actual dedicated episode. What's your take on attacking minded players being soccer coaches? Um, I don't know. I mean, I I can't say that I can recall a, a bunch off the top of my head. Um, you know, generally it. It, fe- it feels like, you know, I don't have the statistics to back any of this up, but it feels like it's something more central midfielders and defenders kind of do very well at. But, I, I you know, I, have, I haven't crunched the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have you, you've failed at math now. Tw- you've made two failed math jokes, and you're, you're supposed to be this mathematician darling. You're my numbers quant. I, for, I forgot how. You're my numbers quant here. I'm getting old. Um, but, you know, we did talk about this uh, before the podcast where I have seen, and it's my theory, I guess it sounds like you kind of lean to it or you're just you're just leeching on it right now, but I do feel like defended-based players are the best ones to at least understand strategy and style of play because they spend their entire career looking out, right? Like... If the ball's coming at them, they're looking at how everything's configured to try to anticipate the attack. And then if they've moved the ball forward, they're just spectators like us. Like, sure, they're doing their next steps in the position. And again, part of that strategy, that formation. But then, like, their job is most of the time it's done. So I feel like goalkeepers and defenders, they've got to make up some of the best coaches. Whereas you get an attacking player and they're like, I don't understand. When I was playing, I scored a million goals. Why can't you just go out there and be like me and score all the goals? Just go over there, do some six-step overs. Yeah, just dribble dribble around one person and, and shoot it and just walk it into the back of the net. It's not difficult. <laughs> so so I don't know. Like I I mean, we joke, but realistically, like, you know, these people are all soccer players. At some point they have played various positions throughout their career as they come up. But maybe it's something about that that kind of mentality to go towards goal, you know, that, that, that lethal striker finish that you have as an attacking player that maybe, you know, doesn't translate well to the rest of the team. Well, sure. And, and, and you're right. Like, I'm not saying that the coach has any kind of like deficiency because he was an attacking player, I guess. And he was an attacking wingback. So he definitely was running, like up and down the field, you know, it wasn't like just like t- top left corner, like, give me the ball, give me the ball. But I guess I'm I'm more curious how this will manifest in his his coaching style of play. Like, will, what kind of team will we be with with an attacking minded coach or knowing someone who knows what the USL is capable of? And I don't know if we share this. I haven't seen a lot of great defending yet in the league. Like, I don't want to say it's Sunday soccer pickup, yeah, but like, definitely. there's definitely an emphasis on like. Like I've seen a few good, moving things good forward. moments, but yeah, overall, it's definitely a lot more open, attacking-minded style. Yeah, like you, you, when you see the highlights, it's usually a defender, like losing pace, losing coverage. It's not in like some of the other leagues where it's just like undefendable, great soccer, right? Like this is like, okay, but if this guy like man marked correctly, like he wouldn't have been able to do like a three-step over bike yeah you know like like what (laughs) so but so to that point i would be curious um, what style of play and i and i hope we get to ask him even if we don't get to set up an interview first like maybe like hey like talk to us about your time in birmingham like let us know like what do you think is going to be your envision style and like what would be your like this is what i need to make sure like are the core principles 
I just hope <laughs> I hope we're not a possession based team. I possession based I, I, teams. Do you think are that's so even, do you boring. think that's even a thing in this league? Don't know. Don't know. But oh, I, I I relish team or, or fans that don't have to watch possession based soccer. It's just like the build up is so much slower. It's not explosive. It doesn't produce a lot of like, oh my gosh, how did you pull that off moments? You don't subscribe to the Tiki Taka school? So, so I don't think Tiki Taka has to be possession entirely. Like obviously if you're in doing good Tiki Taka, you're possessing the ball. And that's, I think like that's the difference in some of the quality of leagues. Like possession in crappier leagues is like, I'm just going to keep it between my defenders. I'm going to, I'm going to probe up the oh, left or right flank and I'm going to bring it back and it, I'm going to try the other way. It's a form of defense. Yeah. No way. Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. So really curious to see what that kind of happens. Um, so, and we're going to, we're going to totally touch more on this, but I want to make one last call. So coach Kano is probably the most active on social media right now for the club. He often jokes and calls himself both the head coach, general manager, and the uh, Rhode Island FC like merch fashion model. Nice. Um, so I, I, a lot of respect. I, I've, I see his posts and like he's just a guy going around like Providence specifically hanging out. And it's like, I wonder if I've like unintentionally like ran into him, but I didn't realize at the time or like maybe I just didn't look left at the moment. Cause I swear there's been times it's like I was just where he's posting. And granted, that may not have been the time that he posted, but like, have, do you think we've had a ghost Kano encounter and we didn't know it? Ooh, I don't know. Where does where this guy hang out? Mostly Providence? Listeners, give us your best Kano <laughs> sightings and uh, encounters. If we can find out where his favorite coffee and or lunch spot is, uh, if he won't give me the interview, we will make this happen. You're going to get shut down on Twitter? <laughs> Kano sightings? You've been blocked by Rhode Island FC. <laughs> what, do you think, what do you think is Coach Kano's like, go-to lunch spot? He's Bermudian. Bermudian? Yeah. Oh, man, I don't... The Bermudian? I'm going to say it's Bermudian. What do you think? Like, he's probably had fish and rice his entire life, right? Like, fish, is, fish and goat, I think, are the things, like, island island people have the most of in the Caribbean. So, like, do you think he just is, like... I can't say I've partaken in a lot of... Watch, he's, like, vegan. He's, like, I don't even meat, <laughs> eat meat, guys. Like, Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say he loves to frequent east side pockets he gets himself a nice like falafel wrap the man dabbles in i'm gonna say it, the man dabbles in falafel can't can you blame him no it's delicious <laughs> and anyone that says otherwise shame on you um so we were going to end the podcast with with coach Kano, but we did have this week um I'm not going to say breaking because, again, you're not going to hear this for a couple of weeks after. But we did have uh, our newest acquisition to the club, and I think it's worth mentioning uh, him just so that we can kind of stay on top of that and, and not have to rehash back. But um, the Rhode Island FC did get to announce the uh, addition of assistant coach Dave McKay, um, who's joining us in our inaugural season. Uh, Dave McKay comes from a... Uh, a pretty good tenure of being both an assistant coach and like a fitness uh, coach and um, performance coach for other clubs, most recently Philadelphia Union, which is where he's just recently left from. And, you know, if you look at the union, they've been on a tear for the last couple of years under Jim Curtin. They've been doing really good things. 
Um, and then he was also with Orlando City FC. And at the time, like, oh, cause my immediate connection was like, oh, well, that's how they met probably. Like, again, because it's who you know and what you know. And um, so I was like, okay, well, Orlando City. But then I, I thought about Orlando City's track record. And while they haven't been great in the MLS, if, if and I, I, don't know the, I don't know the years yet on, on Coach McKay, but if he was with them during the USL run, that's when they were champions in USL. So he, he may have been, I don't, I don't know, but I'd like to think positively that, that this is also a coach who's been seeing some really excellent championship uh, caliber players and understands what the requirements are. And I am all about having someone who's rooted in like health and like fitness and like, like sports physiology. I, I don't know if that's his like actual scientific breakout, but like I, I see too often clubs where people get injured because they train too hard, they train, too, they train incorrectly, they do the wrong things, and then they suffer on the actual one, the, the game day when it matters. So having a, play, like having a coach like this who has connections and familiarity with our group, I think this is a win across the board. What do you think? I mean, yeah, you said he's some fitness coach as well. I mean, that, that's pretty big. Um, you hear a lot of like old ex-players sometimes talk about, oh yeah, we were drinking and smoking the night before. <laughs> and now, you know, as as we uh, progress further along in the sport, you know, we we see how huge of an impact it has to stay in like peak physical condition. You know, keep away from injuries, and then these players, especially as like the game has evolved and a lot of teams are like pressing and kind of running nonstop for ninety minutes. Keep the boys in shape. Do, do you think that it, like, do you think fitness is actually an issue to, in today's age? Like, I know, I know you just said it. So, like, I don't mean to, like, be redundant here. But, like, do you, do you, because I, I think it's more injury related I, than it's, like, smoking and, like, eating pizza. So, you know, I. And I know you're joking, but, like, but I don't think it's also discussed a lot. Like. It, it doesn't get brought up. And I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of it is, um, you know, there's just not enough money in some of the leagues we have here to have access to like, you know, all of the facilities and the, the, the people who are in charge of the nutrition and the, like the, you know, all, all of this stuff costs money, right? If it was that easy, you could just Google it and go like, if it was that easy, a caveman could do it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if it was that easy, like, you know, all of the teams would be doing it, right? They're just like, Oh yeah. You just, Follow my five easy steps, guys. <laughs> you know? Step five, profit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean that's true. And, and we do see, but at the same, and so, man, we are out of time to talk about this tonight. But, like, that is, that's one of the things I'm also curious about. Like, this back to the, the Brett Louis part of, like, what are the things that this club is missing? Or what are the things that this club can do differently that we see um, hamper, hamper, like, other clubs in the USL from being the best versions? Like, what, what resources are you missing or what resources are you misallocating and misusing that are preventing you from being, like, the best that you can be? Like, like analytics and, like, goals expected nowadays is, like, the gold standard. And, by the way, I, I'm so bummed. Remember how we were talking, like, I wanted you to start, like, reading out the 538, like, statistic projections? Mm-hmm. You, got, you have to say yes when you're on a podcast. Yeah. You can't nod your head over. <laughs> Um, Sorry, I, I didn't think you were done there. <laughs> I, I, I will point from now on, like, boom. Um, but, yeah, they, they, the site is done. They, they shut it down. Disney bought it. They don't want to fund the sports part of it. They only want to fund the political, 
like who's going to be the next president part, and they have no interest McCarthy in continuing McCarthy rising operations. from the grave. He's like communist. Well, we're not going. Hey, <laughs> no, no politics. <laughs> I just am mentioning politics because it's coming in the way of soccer statistics. So, like that's <gasps> that's a bummer because I thought that like up until last, it was like two weeks ago they they pulled the plug on, and it's not. It's not coming back. So we just can't have nice things in America, especially soccer-related. So we just got to rely on Opta or whatever and ha- have oh. the, the well, dumb so words at the end of the tweets. So Sports Illustrated has, like, the SI index, I think. and um, But they go off of, like, power rankings and just, like, goal expected and, like, your win averages. Like, So, like, yeah, okay, Man City wins the Premier League next year. Like, you don't need hard data for that. But for the USL, like, I was looking back, and there's some interesting data in there about, like, predictions and, and projections. And no, no analytics can get it right every time because, like you said, if you did, you wouldn't, you wouldn't need to like do anything. But, um, but I was really hoping we could leverage that in the seasons to come. And, and so, listeners, if you know of another resource maybe, that's yeah, like five thirty-eight, maybe some soccer nerds somewhere on Reddit or something. Or yeah, if you want numbers, if you want to join or start your own version, like there's a need for it. So if there's anyone out there like, man, I just love data. I just want to swim in it. Like, like. <laughs> Scrooge McDuck at the beginning of DuckTales when he just jumps in that vault of coins but it's just data like let's get let, let's let's invest I that's a company I'll invest in right there I won't do the work and I'll be an absentee <laughs> fa- founding father absentee I'll, investor <laughs> but I will encourage you from afar um so yeah so listen we're we're getting off the rails we're over our commitments I don't want to be called a liar so um do you got anything do you got anything else that you want to get off your chest about about the the people that we talked about today? No, or I mean that was a discussed? that was a big info dump. Um, we didn't talk like, about the lot. stadium like at all today. No, no cancellations. Well, maybe I might have made a joke in there. <laughs> we gotta we gotta keep that we gotta keep that running gag going as long as possible. <laughs> but uh, but anything else? No, I think that's that's you know you uh you really did your investigating investigative work there. Anybody can copy internet articles. It's you just <laughs> copy and then trend. you know you you got you took the time though, and that's that's the thing is not everyone is willing to put the time into that. Even and, though uh, like ninety percent of what I said, I don't know is if it's factual. Like we could just be leading. It's all right. They're not checking. <laughs> oh no! So they are. They are. <laughs> so spoiler alert. Um, we've already kind of quietly released the first episodes because we we need to build up. Um, a certain amount of material so like if we have to take an off week or something and, and there's no like real season right now we we have something for you guys because consistency is the lifeblood of a podcast and uh, I released some information and one of the very intelligent listeners in um, in the Defiance supporters group and, and everyone in Defiance has been amazing and super supportive uh, they found it right away and they're like hey I thought this wasn't going to come up for a few weeks it's like well the cat is now out of the bag. Man, so you're getting doxxed by defiance. Oh, man, they're supposed to burn other people's boats down, not sta- my boat. Are they standing outside across the street? <laughs> I think I think one of the head like capos lives in 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 our area, so we gotta we gotta watch out gotta for be that. Careful. Yeah, we can't say anything. <laughs> Swing by and be like, I saw that magnet on your car. Um, and so, just really great group of people so far. Really been supportive, and and you know, nothing's scarier than putting yourself out there like, oh, they're gonna hate this and. And but but the reason I brought this up is he's already corrected me several times. So listeners, if you've heard something like that ain't right, uh, again, feel free to comment. We can only do better if you hold us accountable. But uh, also, really encourage you guys to join the Discord that the supporters group 
um, has set up. I, I think it's supposed to be really all for Rhode Island FC, um, you know, but like it's their channel. I, I don't see us having another one. Um, so highly encourage that you can find that on like their socials, our socials, Reddit has it, I think as well. Um, but really great group of people and we'll continue to try and strive to bring you accurate information that doesn't need uh, retconning um, in the back end. And then final like shout out. I just I have to say it because it happened recently and um, to the owner of a red SUV who was at the Alexis on Fire and um, uh, Avenged Sevenfold concert in Massachusetts. I just want to salute you because you... Um, you you wore it proud and loud, and I'm I'm just really glad to always see a Rhode Island FC car magnet uh, on a car. We we have ours, like we rock ours, and um, so like I, I just can't wait to see more of those out yeah, in the wild. Didn't expect to see one out in Mansfield. I mean, it's not too far, but so you know, it's interesting. I I never expect to see it anywhere yet because we're we're not a club, right? So like when I do, it's like oh, these are people that get it. These these people love it. Psychopaths like us, <laughs> <laughs> but. But um, but this particular one, it was really interesting, and I, I, I want to have a conversation about it, but we are at time. But I'll, I'll tease, is they, this person was not just a Rhode Island FC fan. Like, they had Revolution, they had, I think, Revolution Academy. Like, this is a person that's rooted in... Um, New England soccer. New England soccer. And it, it kind of got to me, like, yeah, I know about the Revs. Yeah, I follow the Revs. I enjoy what the Revs do. But, like, now that Rhode Island FC is here, like, I... My 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 love can I can't have two children like I I can only have the one <laughs> can't afford them and not in this economy I will never financially recover from having two children right um, and like I just I don't want to invest in the revolution I don't I I'll still pay attention and if like there's an opportunity to go to a game I'm never gonna say no I I love soccer too much for that but like my time paying attention to that is going to draw especially for what we have to do to like make this podcast happen. So I'm really curious for the listeners and like we'll talk about this more in the future though is it's like what happens for you like is this is this a non-issue if I just brought up another pointless point because it's not an, it's not going to be a thing like there's enough love in your heart and room for you to watch multiple like vectors of soccer or is this like hey like I've got this now and when it's when it comes like I'm all in on it because you can say you have enough room for all soccer right now. But when we meet the revolution and the open cup final, <laughs> even though they'd never let it, it'd be a semi-conference at best, right? Cause yeah. it's local, local. But if it did, then what do you do? You can't say, I'm just proud. Both my babies are here. We're, we're just here for the <laughs> ride. And I'm just excited to see it happen. <laughs> no, Still it's Rhode Island FC guys. or we don't want you in the group. I'm just kidding. We want you in the group, but, but you know what <sighs> I mean? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, not not to go too off on a tangent. Like I said, we're already we're, we're, we're chewing through tangent. time. Just go through it. Just go. <laughs> but we, like, got, we got a minute. You know, I'm gonna go go with the homeboys, RFC here. You know, like it's it's cool that the revs are nearby, but you know, RFC all the way. We're gonna have to discuss with the listeners at some point our anchors up tattoo idea. So we won't save it for later, <laughs> but. When you make a commitment like that, there's no room to to watch any other competing soccer in the area with it, with a tattoo of of that magnitude. So <laughs> to be discussed on a on another night. But um, Jason, it's been a blast as always. Where where can our listeners find us? 
All right, guys. We got a Twitter at RFC Podcast. Uh, threads at RFC Podcast as well. Instagram at Raising Anchor. And as you alluded to earlier, there's a website that people found. <laughs> it works. <laughs> RaisingAnchorPodcast.com. Hey, man. A blast. As always. Yep. Anchors up. <laughs> Anchors up. Bye, guys. Later. Later.